This season of The Wedding Digest is brought to you by Wedbooker, the only place to find and book your dream wedding venue and suppliers online. Go to wedbooker.com. Hello again. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Wedding Digest. I'm Lucy, a producer and presenter, and Ali is a wedding planner and also the beautiful face you regularly see popping up on our Wedbooker Instagram sharing her pearls of wisdom. (laughs) True, that is. Last week we spoke (laughs) about eloping and given the restrictions around weddings at the moment and many couples deciding to elope or choosing to tie the knot in a smaller ceremony rather than having to unfortunately postpone again and then planning a big celebration with all their guests next year when things go back to normal. Exactly. So we thought to follow on from that episode, we should then focus on the all important ceremony, which is quite often overshadowed by all the sparkles and fireworks that come with the reception. Yeah, so true. It is very easy for the ceremony to be an afterthought, but the words you say in that moment in front of your loved ones to your soulmate are some of the most important words you will ever say. A hundred percent. So you want to make sure you get them right. So we have asked one of our beautiful celebrants to join us for this episode, Pip Bess from Inlight Ceremonies based in New South Wales. So Pip's going to share her tips on how to personalize your ceremony, perfect your vows and ensure with or without reception, tying the knot for you and your loved one is the most magical moment it can be. Okay, Pip Best, thank you so much for joining us on the Wedding Digest podcast. We are very excited to have you on to give your tips and expertise when it comes to all things with your wedding ceremony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. Now, I think, first of all, we probably have to cover the elephant in the room, which is obviously COVID. So what's it been like for you during this COVID time? Yeah, it's been, um, it's actually been okay. I think there's been a really nice mutual understanding between couples who are, you know, really having to change their plans and, you know, working with their vendors to find a new date. And I think both the vendors and the couples really understand that this is just such unprecedented times and and we're both trying to help each other out. So, yeah, I've just seen couples be really flexible and adaptable with their new plans and a lot of um, couples have chosen to opt for a smaller ceremony just with family and have, have just said to me, we've really evaluated what's important to us right now and that is just to get married so we're gonna um we're gonna just do it with family and and then have a party later on down the track or uh, reducing the size of uh, or the amount of guests that they're having along to their wedding so everyone's just been I think really flexible and sure stressed for sure but everyone's just working together to figure out the best solution for couples. Yeah it sounds as though you do have such a passion and provide a really personalized experience for all the couples you work with. So I'd actually love to know what inspired you to become a celebrant. Yeah, good question. Lots of people ask me that. So I was a social worker for a really long time, for about 10 years, and was living and working in Kenya when I first just very randomly came across a podcast that um, was speaking about conscious ceremonies and just the way that they spoke on that episode about the power of ceremony and what it's like to create a space for two people um, to come together and make that commitment just sounded really interesting to me. And I was, I, I had plans to come back home to Sydney and, and go back into social work. And this sort of felt like a way that I could still work with people um, 
and it still feel really meaningful. Obviously, very different energy to the social work that I was doing. Um, so I just looked into doing the course, and of course, my family thought I was crazy because I hated public speaking. It was it was all very <laughs> random the, the decision making process. But I came home and I and I started my course, and then I did my first wedding in October of that year. So it was really just felt like a really beautiful way to work with couples and at a, such an important time in their lives. And yeah, so it's just grown from there really. And that's probably why you are so loved as a celebrant by absolutely everyone because you do have that really personal touch. And I love that you say you wanted to bring out the power of the ceremony there because it's so often that the, the ceremony does get overshadowed by the reception. But I think the words you say to your soon-to-be life partner are just so important. So then how how much of the service is led by yourself as a celebrant and what parts do you really require the couples to prepare or what can they bring to help bring the mm-hmm. um, ceremony to life? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are five things that have to be in a ceremony for it to be legal. Apart from that, mm-hmm. in terms of what's included, I'm really guided by the couples. So there's a general structure that I do follow because I, I know now that that's what works well but when I first meet with a couple I sit down with them and I find out what it is that they have in mind for the ceremony anything that they want to include or not include um often they know what they don't want more than they know what they want um which is totally fine and then when we start working together they fill out a questionnaire for me and that's the information that I use to write the whole ceremony from scratch so so the bulk of the ceremony I write and prepare in consultation with the couple and then two parts of the ceremony that are probably really that the couple work on themselves are I obviously offer guidance but that's their vows and then I also get them to write in private um, a few of the things that they love most about each other so those things they're really doing on their own as well as the questionnaire and then the rest of it I'm writing um, and and then I send it to them Um, as a first draft and and they review it just so we both know that the tone is right, um, information is right, the length is right and and we just go back and forth with that draft until they're really happy with it. So when you talk about the vows, now this is kind of where a lot of couples, particularly if they're not used to public speaking or get nervous in front of a lot of people or maybe want to say something but they just don't know how to put those words down on paper and convey what they're thinking or what they want to say. So vows Mm -hmm. can be quite tricky and daunting. So what would be your top tips for couples when writing their vows? And also, I guess the other question is, how long should these be? I would say 10 lines is probably standard. But again, some people's 10 lines are 10 short and sweet lines. Other people's are more longer um, sort of conversational written sentences. Um, And I've had couples read vows to each other that were a page long and others that have just said the legal mandatory sentence. So everybody in their vows has to say the sentence, I call upon the person to your present to witness that I, first, middle, last name, take you, first, middle, last name, to be my lawful wedded husband, wife, spouse, partner, whatever you choose to say. So you have to say that sentence, and that can be at the beginning of your vows, in the middle of your vows, wherever you choose to put it. Um, so that's in terms of length. It's, it's so up to the couple. And then in terms of um, 
In terms of tips when it comes to writing vows, I send couples a whole bunch of vow options and examples. They usually use them as is or use them as a framework to write their own. So they then go away and they sit down and they can write their vows together and know what each other are going to say on the day. They can you know, go away and do them on their own and it's a surprise. They can say the same thing. They can say different things. So more often than not, by the time I'm meeting with a couple, they already have an idea of of what they want their vows to be like. So usually they've seen something before that they really liked or um, didn't like and so they had an idea of what that would look like. And then I just say to them, you know, writing your vows, is a way of really envisioning what you want your marriage to look and feel like and and base your promises to each other on that. So sit down and, and write a list of things that you know about what marriage means to you and something that you can look back on 10 years' time and, and it's still feel relevant and then work those things into your vows so that it does feel... Yeah, reflection of the couple. They're really good tips. So then what about on the other hand, what are some of the Mm -hmm. biggest mistakes couples make when it comes to writing their vows? How can you avoid making these mistakes? I guess the biggest thing is, is that couples write their vows for their partner, not for their guests and not what they think other people want to hear. And I think that if they're true to themselves and, and their relationship, then you can't really go wrong. I think people can feel it if if it's something that's just said for the sake of being said or as well, yeah. like there's a level of maturity, I think, that comes with making promises to someone that you intend to be with forever. So, so there's a lightness that can come into your vows, which I think is really nice, particularly if that's your personality and your dynamic. Um, yes. But also, you know, a sense of, you know, I, I'm really making this commitment to you and this means a lot to me. So there's that balance between the lightness and, and um, this seriousness, I guess. So you, you don't want that pressure to have to be funny, for example, or entertaining mm-hmm. for your guests. So that's kind of something that you need to avoid focusing on, would you say? Sometimes, it's, sometimes it actually works well because it breaks the ice, everybody mm. laughs, it relaxes the couple. So, and if that's you, go do it. Like, just trust that that's, um, you know, like that's your personality and, and that's who you are. And I think if that is you, then it, it, it works very well. Yeah, definitely. And I guess another way to really personalize the ceremony is to have friends or family do a reading for you. Now, if you're not religious, where else can couples find appropriate readings or passages that really are personal to them as well? Yeah, good question. So I give couples or I send couples a booklet full of readings um, with different options that they can go through. So that's one um, excerpts from books or music lyrics or poems. And I think it's particularly nice when the person doing the reading um, sources one that they feel like reflects the couple because then you know you're going to get something not from a booklet that I provided but something that is really meaningful and and that they've chosen specially 
for you. I think that's always mm. a nice part. I'm, I've known couples who've got um, little snippets from movies as well. I had um, one couple that I married, um, he proposed to her by rewriting the words to a Dr. Seuss book. And um, he read that to her as she proposed and then one of their closest friends stood up and, and read that at the, as a reading in the ceremony. So things like that are really nice. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Are there any other ways that, or any other suggestions you have um, that couples can use to really personalise their ceremony other than amazing readings and writing their own vows? Have you got any other secret tips you can share with anyone listening? Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think the ceremony will always be unique to each couple and personalised to each couple if if it includes parts about their story and what they love about each other. I often give couples the option if they want to briefly mention um, their bridal party. Um, so those things will always make every ceremony different from couple to couple. And then there are things like um, I've had couples before have a friend or a family member do um, they've written a song for them or performed one of their favourite songs. So when they went to sign the register, instead of people just chatting amongst themselves, it was asked if they could, you know, please listen to this song that will be performed for the guests. So that's a nice touch. And then um, their vows obviously are completely unique to the couple. And also I've, I've done a couple of weddings where the formation's been really different. So we've done a full circle or a semicircle. Um on a like right on the edge of a cliff top has been another one. So location and formation can um, can really make a ceremony feel different as well. That is such a good idea. Okay, so then you've um, you've spoken about you know how couples can um, enhance their ceremony and, and personalize it. But what about what should couples expect from their celebrant? What's what's the process where if you are if you do decide to to get a celebrant on board? And also mm-hmm. the other question, which I, I think is quite common, is is it up to the celebrant to apply for the marriage certificate on your behalf, or is mm-hmm. that up to the couple to do? Yep. So every uh, each celebrant does things differently. For me, I'll usually meet with them before we even start working together just for an initial meeting so that they can then go away and decide whether they'd like for me to do their ceremony. So that is usually in person or at the moment over FaceTime or Skype. Um, once they decide they want to go ahead, then I would meet with them to sign the bit of legal paperwork called the Notice of Intended Marriage. So that needs to be signed and lodged more than one month before the wedding. And again, that's me sort of organising that with the couple and, and finding a time to meet so that that gets signed in plenty of time. Um, and then from there, most of our contact is via email. So I send them a questionnaire and a resource booklet and and just say, it'd be great if you could have this back to me by this time so I can start writing it. And then if there's anything that comes up between that time and the wedding, obviously they can contact me by email or give me a call or um, whatever works best for them. And then I meet with them again uh, the week of the wedding to sign the last bit of legal paperwork before the day and to run through um, what they can expect is going to happen on the day and just the small things that you don't think about until you actually arrive on your wedding day and don't know what side you're, whoever's walking down the aisle, what side they should be on and what happens when you get to the end of the aisle and where do you look and when do you hand your flowers off and all of those sort of small details that can actually make someone quite anxious if 
they've never um, watched down the aisle before. Um, and then I'm there on the day to do the ceremony and then afterwards I lodge all of that paperwork with the birthdays and marriages. So I have, or celebrants have up to 14 days to do that. I generally do it the day after or a couple of days after the wedding. And then that generates a registration number, which I hand on, pass on to the couple. And I, I leave the, them getting their official marriage certificate from birth, death and marriages. I just leave that to the couple. So I say, here's your registration number that you'll need. Here's the link to apply yeah. for your marriage certificate. Because most people will get a marriage certificate if they are choosing to change their surname. And I yes. probably have, you know, 50-50 brides who are wanting to change their name. And if they're not, then there's not the sense of urgency or need for them to get the marriage certificate. So I just really leave that up to them. And so they can apply for it in their own time. And it's super easy. You can apply for it online and it gets posted to you within a couple of weeks. Or if they needed it faster than that, then they can go into birth, death and marriages, either in New South Wales and Chippendale and apply for that and they can issue it to you on the spot. Oh, that's so good to know because I know that was confusing when we were getting married um, about, you know, who does what. Like is the, is the one you sign on the day, is that the one you take home mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you're all signed, sealed and delivered. But there are there is a little bit to go through um, in that process. Some people I've heard, so the certificate that you sign on the day, the commemorative certificate, People have taken that into, say, the RTA or whatever it's called now, RMS, to use that to get their, to change their name. So I just make it clear to couples that what you get on the day from me is not what you need if you need to do any change of name processes. So that's a different certificate. So sometimes it's there. Got it. But it's obviously still a legal, legally binding Mm -hmm. document when it comes to you being husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Pip, thank you so, so much. You've answered a lot of questions. I know um, there are quite a few couples who are unsure when it comes to the ceremony because most people focus on the reception and the big party, but the ceremony is obviously um, the most important part of actually tying the knot. So it's so great to get that inside and those tips as well on writing of vows, which can sometimes be super daunting too. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Are you looking for your wedding venue and suppliers? Do you want to have all your wedmen in one place? Need some convenient support from Ali, our wedding planning expert? Well, Wedbooker is your go-to, the only place to plan and book your wedding online. Visit wedbooker.com. Ask Ali. So we've had a number of DMs come in this week, Ali, I think off the back of our eloping episode. So a number of these questions are, of course, around uh, the restrictions right now due to COVID, what brides and uh, couples can and can't do at the moment. Um, And also a few questions coming through from people who are recently, recently engaged. So I'll start off with a couple. First of all, one's from Maddie, uh, who's based in Adelaide. Now she's booked her wedding for February 2021. Um, She wants to send out the invitations, but feels like now might not be the right time, particularly because she does have some guests that are based in Victoria and New South Wales. So what would your advice be to her? 
This is a really tricky one. And I'm guessing, Maddie, one of the hesitations you might have is, is it going to be possible for you to have your wedding in February with the current restrictions um, or also if the restrictions do get a little bit tighter? Now, the advantage you do have is that you are in Adelaide um, and things are looking fairly bright for you down there as well. And your restrictions are a little easier than they are in some states. So given that, I would suggest if you haven't yet sent the save the date, definitely get those out in the post and still send them to your interstate guests. Because even if it is the restrictions don't allow them to come to your um, wedding because they're not allowed to travel interstate, they'd love to know that they were invited. Um, If you do feel comfortable enough about the date um, and sending out the invitation, I think it's always a good idea. Um, It's like dropping a little bit of a sparkle in someone's letterbox as well. Everyone loves receiving a wedding invitation. Um, It's something to look forward to in the future. So I think don't look at it as something where it's not quite the right time, but look at it as something really positive that you're giving your friends and family. Maybe just add some details with the invitation um, about your plans on keeping everyone safe. So you can let them know you're only going to go ahead if it is safe and legal under the restrictions at that time and that you are fully aware of the current situation we are in and that your guest's safety and health is your number one priority. This will definitely put your more vulnerable guests at ease, knowing that their health is in your mind as well as your wedding. So I would just add some extra notes in there to say you will keep them up to date and you will make sure that um, your wedding is not only amazing but also safe. Yeah, well, hopefully that helps, Maddie. Okay, I do have another one here and a big congratulations is due to Libby. She recently got engaged. Now she wants to plan an engagement party for the end of this year but she's asking how does she plan one with the current restrictions? Mm. So, look, I don't think anyone should be skipping an engagement party right now just because we're in a pandemic. I think you just need to work within your state's restrictions. So, maybe keep it small and intimate and socially distanced. Um, If you're in a state that has tighter restrictions right now, maybe hold off a few extra weeks, even if you do it in December or January. It's still the silly season. It's still summer. It can still be really fun. There's nothing to say you can't have your engagement party, you know, six months after you've been engaged or eight months after you're engaged. You can really hold it whenever you want. So, Libby, I wouldn't feel the pressure to have the engagement party straight away. And even if you are feeling like um, December is a little bit too soon, if you're in Victoria and the restrictions are quite tight, push it back a little bit. If you do want to have the huge party, just to give yourself some breathing room. Otherwise, do it on a smaller scale and just make sure it's safe. Yeah, good advice there. And of course, guys, if you do have a question for Ali that you do want her to answer on the podcast, you can simply send us a DM. Thanks so much, Ali. Not a problem. We hope you found our chat with Pip helpful, guys. Of course, you can find out more about Pip. You can even book her at wedbooker.com. Also there on the site, you'll find many other amazing celebrants based all around the country. Yeah, and if you need any help with any questions or you're looking for my advice for your wedding ceremony or writing your vows, you can send me a DM at Wedbooker. Perfect. See you same time, same place next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Wedding Digest. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And if you love what you hear, feel free to leave us a review. If you want to find out more about any of our featured guests or suppliers mentioned, just head to wedbooker.com. You'll find a detailed blog post on each episode.